Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. The pie! And he stretched it! Bonnet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And Bagnon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Higher again. A goal Oh, Benedetto. Beautifully done. Sensational. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois as Paris Saint-Germain make it eight wins from eight. Brilliant Lance surge past Marseille into second. Lille and Monaco continue their resurgence. Nice heap more misery on Saint-Étienne who are now bottom. And Rennes destroy Bordeaux but somehow manage to draw the game 1-1. Uh, it's a very grey drizzly uh, morning uh, in Paris, but thank you very much, Andy Scott, for for getting up early to to see us. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not bad, Matt. Thanks. I'm yeah, a little bit uh, of red red eyed this morning, but um, yeah, here I am. I'll go, but, I'll go back to bed but, in half an hour. <laughs> you had a cracking game to commentate last night. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Robbie Thompson's with us. How are you, Robbie? I'm very well, thank you, Matt. It's uh, non-stop at the moment, isn't it? Between podcasts and it is a bit uh, grey and drizzly and I'm heading out to the, the PSG training centre after this to uh, get ready for tomorrow's Champions League clash as well. So all fun and games. Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been hectic for us with the, with the, uh, the, the midweek round. I can't imagine what it's like for the players actually having to play these games, but... Uh, uh, Marseille and Lens didn't look tired last night. They served up an absolutely superb match at the Orange Velodrome. Andy Scott uh, was there to commentate the action. Marseille get themselves into big trouble here. We may well have an early penalty here. The referee stopping proceedings to look at this again. There is the handball. It's very clear indeed from Pap Gay. Florian Sotoka, who scored a very late penalty to give Lens uh, the victory at Bordeaux recently. Now has the chance with this early spot kick to put the away side in front at the Velodrome. And he scores it. Frankowski on the right. Frankowski going for goal. What a fabulous strike it is. Przemysław Frankowski, the Polish international, who got the winning goal in the derby against Lille last weekend. And he has doubled Lance lead here at the Velodrome with a stunning strike. Comes Dimitri Payet. Well, is that a free kick on the edge of the box? Yes, it is. Bonsoir lined up to protect Jean-Louis Leca, but Payet finds the net. Tremendous strike by Dimitri Payet. And he gets Marseille back into this game. Here's Matteo Genduzzi. Slipping it through towards Bombardier. Bombardier has gone down. The referee points to the spot. A penalty to Marseille in first half stoppage time and Mikael Lesage had no doubts about it whatsoever. Payet then to draw Marseille level. He does. Sending the goalkeeper the wrong way. Payet second of the night and Marseille second. They're back on level terms here. Shing is under. Bombardier. Waiting in the middle, Shingi Zunda got the break of the ball there, goes for goal, it's a pile driver off the crossbar from Shingi Zunda. Lirola's cross now, Bombardier to make it 3-2 maybe. Held at the second attempt by Jean-Louis Leca. Relentless play from Marseille, this is what they do. Close, 
coming forward here for Lens, Sotoka. Sotoka's ball in, an excellent one in the header. Into the corner. Wesley Said, who missed that superb opportunity just a few moments ago, this time with a beautifully taken header from the inviting cross by Florian Sotoka. He does put Lens back in front. Well, Andy, where do we start with that one? Uh, Lens winning 3-2 after Marseille had staged a, a brilliant comeback. Uh, mistakes at the back that Marseille will be disappointed about, but Lens deserve so much credit, don't they, for, for what they've done in, in, in recent times and for their victory last night, of course. Yeah, completely. Um, where we start, I suppose, is to say that I think that was an exhausting game for, for everybody to, to, to watch, not just probably for the players to take part in. Um, really, really brilliant stuff. I suppose what I would say about it is that um, I think that, I mean, we've all commentated and, and watched a lot of French football going back 10, 15 years, probably young, longer in, in, in your case, Matt. And I think we can admit that there have often been, um, there been many examples in the past of big games in, in Ligue 1, like Sunday night matches we're building up to over the course of the weekend, which turn out to be disappointing. We maybe closed the fairs two defensive teams, not creating a lot of chances. But I think the two teams we saw last night, um, it couldn't be further from that, could it? Two teams who, who just want to attack um, and give us fantastic entertainment. Obviously, we, we know that Marseille do that under San Paoli. I, I talked a lot about that last week, about how they are fantastic to watch and it's all about getting forward for them and for his philosophy as a coach. I think, I think on this occasion, the credit has to go to Lens because... They're the same, you know. They they play this um, this fantastic attacking style of football, uh, and you saw that last night. They were two 0 up. They were pegged back, and yet in the second half they came out and and they were they were determined to to, to go out and win the game. And even when they were three two up midway through the second half, they still left themselves wide open at the back, and and it made for a, a brilliant game of football. And I think it's really refreshing because you know you look at the league table today and you'll see that Paris Saint Germain are nine points ahead, and we'll talk about them later. But you know. Lens are in second place, Marseille are in third at the moment, and these are two really entertaining teams who deserve to be where they are just now, and um, it, it was fantastic. What, what I will say about Lens is that um, I think they deserve great credit for their approach, uh, for, for the way in which they've recruited players since coming back up to Ligue 1 in the summer of last year at a time when, you know, financially there were problems, obviously fans not getting into stadiums because of the pandemic. They invested a lot of money, they made some really interesting signings, players from different parts of the world from Facundo Medina coming from Argentina, uh, bringing Sico Fofana back to, to France, a player who was playing in Italy with Udinese. You know, this summer they brought in Przemysław Frankowski, who scored that brilliant goal last night. They made some really interesting signings. They've pieced it all together and made themselves uh, a fantastic team. And now they are, um, they're what a club like Lens should be. They're up there in, in contention at the moment. And I think they'll probably still be there come the end of the season. And it's an example to clubs like Saint-Étienne and Nantes who maybe have a similar rich tradition and history and big support in France, but are kind of um, stalling at the moment. They're kind of not going anywhere fast. Lens really are going somewhere fast and, um, and, and a fantastic, entertaining team to watch. You deserved their win last night. Robbie, um, Andy's hit the nail on the head, hasn't he, with uh, you know, what, what, what he talked about, Lens's recruitment. I mean, some of the players they, they've managed to get in, Seco Fofana is unquestionably good enough, even to play for your boys, Robert, even to play for Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, this is a top, top-class midfielder. They've got him in, uh, captain last night. 
Uh, Andy mentioned Frankowski, who uh, you know came from Chicago Fire. He was playing in the MLS, a Polish uh, wing back. Uh, he's a left wing back, played on the right because Jonathan Close wasn't there um, last night. It's you know it, the, these players have just been absolute revelations. And what Andy didn't say is that Frank Ez, um, who was unheard of really in French coaching circles, I mean, what a job! What a job he is doing, not just getting Lance results, but doing it you know in such incredible fashion. Absolutely. I think, well, I think Andy said just about everything. I think you've completed it, Matt. There's not, much, there's not too much more to add apart from the fact perhaps that, that so often we see a side that surprises when they come up. We've, we've seen teams do it well for one season but then struggle really to go on with it the next year. Angers had a fantastic first season, first season back a, a few years ago. We see, it, we see it every time because the Ligue 1 clubs don't know the sides necessarily as well coming up from the second flight. But but what Lens are doing a second year in a row with there are new as as you both said new signings again this year as well as as well as investing last season there are new signings again this year and they're all they're all settling in I think huge credit has to go to Franck Ez he'd only coached two games as a first team coach before the start of last season that was when the 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 season was cut short by by covid and by some twist of fate they ended up in a promotion place almost by by chance, and uh, and here they are doing doing wonders. Look, full credit to them, fantastic. I watched the game last night. It was thrilling football from both sides as as well. Yeah, two attacking teams, great for French football. And hats off to both, and particularly Lance. They're doing an incredible job. And that they've they've also bought players with incredible names. I mean, we we saw Christopher Wu uh, last night, which is a <laughs> which is a brilliant name. He was filling in for Kevin Danser, who was. Uh, who was suspended. But actually, you know, make a joke of his name. He's a very promising young defender they got from Nancy. Marseille were, were, were keen to sign him. Um, how did he get on, Andy? And then maybe tell us a bit about Marseille's performance mm-hmm. and uh, the, the goalkeeping situation at Marseille. Yeah, uh, well, Christopher Wood gave away the, the penalty, which allowed Marseille to equalise in first half stoppage time. Um, but of course, a, a big occasion for a player who, who was... Um, in the second division last season and only broke into the Nancy team in the second division at the end of last season. So a, a learning process for him. But uh, from a Marseille perspective, well, I think, listen, they were, they, were, um, they were sort of caught cold by the concession of the penalty so early in the game. I mean, the penalty was scored in the ninth minute, but actually it was one of the first moves of the game um, which led to the penalty. But then it, it was a VAR call that took a while for it to be given. And it was a bit unlucky, uh, the way in which the penalty came about, handball by Pap Gay, but it was a penalty. And that left Marseille chasing the game for, for pretty much the rest of the match. I mean, listen, they they didn't play as well as they have done. I think they, it is the way in which Marseille play. They do leave themselves open. I, th- I thought they looked, uh, Jorge Sampaoli's system uh, looked, you know, more unbalanced than that deployed by Franck Ez, who's got a very clear sort of 3-4-1-2 or 3-4-2-1 set up, depending on the way in which the forwards uh, go about their game. In Marseille's case... Um, in particular, were very open on the on the left hand side because they didn't really have anybody playing as a left back, and they didn't really have anybody playing as a right wing back in the first half until they brought on Paul Lirola at half time. Uh, maybe one or two lessons for Jorge Sampaoli. Uh, I still think that Marseille are probably looking like the best place team at the moment to 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 finish in second place. But I think as as the season goes along, I think the likes of Nice and Monaco and maybe even Lyon will start to catch up with them. Um, but, you know, still plenty of promise for them. I mean, their supporters weren't too disappointed last night. They stayed behind and 
uh, applauded the team at the end of the game and the, and the team sort of applauded them too. And I think they realise that they've, they've got a team that's exciting to watch and will probably win more games than they lose this season. And the word for Dimitri Payet as well, his 600 club game of his career. And um, looking at Opta's stats last night, I think it was his sixth direct free kick free kick that he scored in Liga. So that's what, one in every 100 games in his career from a direct free kick, not including the ones he scored at West Ham, of course, but... Uh, yeah, a, a couple of goals for Payet, but not a great night for Marseille, but they'll bounce back. I just a, a quick word as well. Yeah, I I commentated them in midweek because there was that midweek round uh, that Matt mentioned and they were toothless. And Sampaoli did change the formation as well. He made seven changes um, to his side, in fact, um, in between games. And I can see that he's made uh, all the changes again because those three central defenders didn't start in midweek against Angers. They played a, a, a four at the back against Angers and defensively perhaps they were okay but they it's not easy to mix and match and I wonder if they're just going through a little a little trough we saw Dieng burst onto the scene um Under was out of the side in in midweek he returned but maybe things are just uh well starting to get a little bit tougher well Andy mentioned the um the battle for 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 second place um sorry Andy you want to come in yeah sorry I just uh, you you mentioned the goalkeeping situation I will just say very quickly that uh, yeah, Paulo Lopez played last night and again, I think that's what, four or five games in a row now. He didn't have a great game last night. I have been for a long time in the camp that um, I think it's time to move on from Steve Mondonda and that's what Sam Pauli is doing and it's obviously quite a controversial move because Mondonda, with the exception of that brief spell at Crystal Palace that didn't work out, has been the main man in Marseille for 13 or 14 years now, but the time has come, I think, to move on. Whether Paulo Lopez is to be the right man remains to be seen. He looks like a good goalkeeper with his feet but uh, he didn't always uh, look particularly um, assured last night, shall we say. But I'm sure that that um, he will get better as time goes on. Fair enough. Even even my man, William Saliba, had a shaky game of the bat. So we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> to be fair, he's, he's been superb for Marseille. But a bit of a dip last night. The, the, the battle uh, for second, if you like. Lens have got 15 points. They're nine points behind PSG. Uh, one point above Marseille. You've got uh, Nice... Uh, with 13 points. They got a really good 3-0 victory away to Saint-Étienne. Another goal for Guiri. Calvin Stengs got his first goal in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. And um, Andy Delors, uh, another goal for the new signing. Saint-Étienne bottom and suggestions that Claude Puel um, could be fearing for his job. The derby against Lyon coming up next weekend. Worrying time, Saint-Étienne bottom of the league. Uh, Lyon and Monaco, watch out for them, by the way. They're just uh, Lyon a one point behind Nice. Uh, they were ha- actually held to a 1-1 draw by um, uh, by Lorient. Uh, Emerson was was sent off quite early on for Lyon. A uh, brilliant free kick from Armand Loriente again um, on Janino's home ground, uh, producing a Janino-esque free kick. And um, Lyon equalising through Toko Ekombi. Monaco getting a 3-1 win at uh, at Clermont. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be fascinating. There are, there, there are good teams in there and uh, the likes of... Uh, uh, Monaco and uh, Leon had slow starts, but they're 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 back in action now. We're going to um, talk about Paris Saint Germain, who are the runaway leaders. Uh, they were looking for an eighth straight victory. They were at home to Montpellier on Saturday night. Armel Tanguy saw the action. Montpellier so far have scored 15. They've also conceded 13. That could be 14 here as Idrissa Gay fires a goal. What a cracker! What a cracker from Idrissa Gonagay. Herrera looking for Mbappe. The ball made its way to Angel Di Maria. What a hit 
from Idrissa Gate. That's his third goal of the, in the league already this season. It's Neymar, Draxler, Julian Draxler has found a goal with his first touch of the football. Fed by Neymar, finished by Draxler. And on he went. Made his way into his uh, position on the right wing. The next thing he knew, the ball was at his feet in a goal-scoring position. And goal score he did. A bit of a mistake from uh, Jonas Omlau. But uh, Julian Draxler has made it two for Paris with his second goal of the season. So, Robbie, eight wins from eight. La vie est belle in the capital. But is it really? Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not mosh, as the as the French would say. No, the V Le Vie is pretty good. Bell. We'll see how it goes in midweek against Manchester City. Look, I know there have been two games uh, against Lyon and Metz where Paris Saint Germain have have won it late. Um, this was a more defensively assured performance, I think, against a Montpellier side who rarely threatened. Um, I think Kaylor Navas. I'm trying to think if he if he had a couple of of saves to make, but. It's taking a little bit of time, I think, for this Paris Saint-Germain side just to bed in. I think, not if you're asking me to find excuses, I think um, it's been a, 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 a summer where so many high-profile signings, more than on the pitch, perhaps off the pitch, have, have really shone the spotlight on Paris Saint-Germain, not just in France, but everywhere. And if anything, there's more pressure on them to perform. I think... I think it's all a thing about expectation. Paris Saint-Germain have won eight wins in a row. It's a very rare feat to start the season. It's just the second time they've ever done it. Uh, I think only one other French side has done it, perhaps, to start the season. Lille, back in uh, many, many, many years ago. Um, so, look, things are, things are rosy. The v, life, life is good in the French capital. But, yes, expectations are so high that that they have to be playing scintillating football, they have to be winning every match 6-0. That doesn't change very much from previous seasons, perhaps, but this year, even more. What, what more do we want Mauricio Pochettino to do? Well, I tell you what, I watched Manchester City on, on, on Saturday and, and they looked so impressive against Chelsea. So I think it's going to be fascinating uh, to see PSG against City, to see if PSG can raise their game and get a result, a result that they need against City, having drawn uh, in Bruges. But as Robbie says, it, you know, it's very difficult to... Um, to, to play with all these high-profile signings. You know, it must be tough for any club to, <laughs> to introduce the likes of Messi and Donnarumma and Wijnaldum and Hakimi. Um, Andy, mm, which uh, is look, why I winning. said off the pitch, not on the pitch, Matt. <laughs> uh, to be honest, Robbie, I thought you were going to say it's tough because they haven't had a, a pre-season in 2020. <laughs> but um, Andy, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to bring in Adam Cyrilnik, who, who, who wrote to us about Kylian Mbappe. You may have seen photos of him uh, arguing or being a bit disappointed after being substituted. Um, Adam says, uh, with Mbappe being accused of petulance and lack of respect again recently, does he need to get away from playing with Neymar? PSG never seemed to properly address Neymar's poor attitude and work ethic. So would a change of scenery like Madrid help him to get back on track? Well, there's a lot packed into that comment, um, <laughs> Where do Adam. Where start? Let's... Go, Andy. <laughs> Kill- Killian's <laughs> been doing all right, hasn't he, this, this season? He was, he was actually frustrated during, during the whole game the whole 2-0 victory against Montpellier, and he didn't look happy on the bench. But, but he always um, is when he never scores. That's Killian. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a world-class striker. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Andy, what's what's your take on it all? On Mbappe, um, well, I think as 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 a as a broader question, well, I mean, listen, yeah, I mean, the, the Mbappe thing, you know, what more is there to say other than that? Obviously, his his future is incredibly uncertain, isn't it? And I think everybody's looking to see how things go this season with him playing with Neymar uh, and uh, and Messi to see if he can perhaps be persuaded to stay in Paris uh, beyond the end of the season. It's not been. Uh, brilliant, certainly the last week for him uh, or for PSG, but, you know, they keep grinding out victories. I mean, I, I think that Paris Saint-Germain, I mean, I touched on it last week, they, I, I think they do have, despite what you're saying about, you know, how ultimately they've got these incredible attacking players and nobody should uh, feel sorry for them in any way. Of course, we shouldn't feel sorry for them, but Pochettino has a problem and Paris Saint-Germain have a problem because the, the I mean, I, I always hark back to the, now that they're playing Manchester City this midweek, I, I always think back to the quarterfinal of the Champions League in 2016 when they played City, when Laurent Blanc was the PSG coach. And I always think that they threw away an incredible opportunity against uh, that City team because I think PSG were a better team than City at that point. And I think that that was probably actually the high point. This is what I think, anyway, the high point of this uh, of the Qatar era PSG because they were such a brilliant team. They controlled games in midfield in such a way with Mota, Matuidi and Verratti on the field. And I just think that, that a year later, they, they kind of, they'd thrown all that away by signing Neymar and Mbappe and have these incredible attacking players. It's to the detriment, really, of the, of the balance of the team. And I think that they're going to carry on struggling to, to get that back because I think they lack um, the intensity needed at the very, very top end of the game. I, mean, I don't think it was a particularly golden performance against the Montpellier team who'll probably finish in mid-table in Liga on this season. And you touched on it, Manchester City earlier in the day. I didn't see all of their game against Chelsea, but I saw most of it and I thought they were absolutely sensational. Bernardo Silva in particular, the ex-Monaco man, was sensational playing in central midfield for them. And I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to tomorrow evening. This is Monday morning. We're talking now. The game's on Tuesday night. We don't know what's going to happen. And even if they, they lose the game, that you'd still fancy them to, to go on and qualify from the Champions League group. But I think that they, they do have an awful lot of things to sort out in terms of the balance between the, the attack and the rest of the team. And I think that we, there's also, there's only a limited amount we can read into their results in league and so far because they've won eight out of eight. They haven't actually played anybody um, other than Leon, Leon at home, Leon, yeah, yeah. Leon at home, one team out of eight games. I don't think they've played anybody who you'd say will finish in the top half, with the possible exception of Montpellier, but they'll probably finish ninth or tenth at best. And so, you know, they haven't played Nice, they've not played uh, Marseille, they've not played Monaco, they've not played Lille, the reigning champions, they've not played Lens or Rennes, they've not played any of these teams yet. And so, people will look at the league table and say they're nine points ahead already, but the, the fixture list in the league has been. I actually think ridiculously kind to them already this season. And yet the performances have, have in, certainly in five of the games, I would say, have not been brilliant by any means. And I think a, a, a different team than Montpellier on Saturday evening might have caused them a few more problems. So, you know, it, it's a strange thing to say. Obviously, the expectations are so high. But when, you, when, you're, when you're Paris Saint-Germain and you've won eight games out of eight, OK, it's great in some respects, but... This is it, it, there. There are different things at stake for Paris Saint Germain, shall we say? And I think there's a lot of uh, an awful lot of things that need to be sorted out with them. Robbie, Tuesday night, if everybody's fit, do you play Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, and Di Maria? I mean, certainly, do you, and do, you Marco do you play the, the, the and Marco <laughs> Verratti? If 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 it, we haven't mentioned, by the way, Idrissa Gay, what a fantastic goal from him! And actually, Idrissa Gay and Ander Herrera were were PSG's best players uh, against Montpellier, so that's good for Pochettino that they're that they're producing at the moment. But yeah, back to my question, Robbie, what do you reckon? What was the question about tomorrow night? Are they all going to play? Do you Can play, play well, all do you, four? Do you, yeah, four? do you play? Well, 
Yeah, no, well, not necessarily the Fab Four because Di Maria, I would say, is um, is a wonderful player. Well, he's but suspended. Yeah, he's suspended. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Messi, Neymar, Mbappe. You know, because the, the question for me is, can you win the Champions League playing those three who are not going to do much when PSG don't have the ball? And I think we'll, we'll it'll be fascinating to see if they do. You know how how it pans out on Tuesday. Well, we saw Thomas Tuchel took uh, took the front three that that played against Montpellier to the Champions League final against uh, against Bayern Munich. If we if we take out Di Maria and replace him with Messi. Uh, uh, is that is that a loss? Um, well, it's it's a loss in terms of work, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah. yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. But uh, you know, I think in terms of work rate, and I know Neymar has a very bad reputation. I think he's been very good the last the last three matches for Paris Saint Germain, uh, starting second half uh, against Lyon. I thought I thought he really started to to take responsibility, and I think he's getting fitter and fitter and starting to 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 shoulder a bit more of the burden up front. Look, they're an attacking side. I think. I think if anything, Mauricio Pochettino is starting to experience perhaps what Thomas Tuchel did before him, perhaps to a lesser extent what Unai Emery did as well. Which is, which is, you just have to to try and manage these guys. And and I I understand what Andy's saying about at least in terms of identity under Laurent Blanc, what Paris Saint Germain had. Paris Saint Germain had a very strong playing identity, which I think was a very difficult way to try and win because I think apart from, you know, Spain and Barcelona a decade ago, um, it's very hard to win playing possession football. Paris Saint-Germain experienced that because everything has to be absolutely perfect. And modern football now is so much based on quick transition, uh, counter-pressing and analysis of the opponent that sides don't necessarily have such a such a an individual identity, such an identity of the way they play. And if you can have three of the best strikers in the world, why not just try and try and buckle down at the other end? You're you're aware of what the opponents are going to try and do, and you're going to try and get the ball to your front three and not cross your fingers and hope, but you put your faith in them that they can make the difference. Paris Saint Germain could struggle in terms of possession tomorrow night against Manchester City, even if they'd prefer to have the ball. But they could still win 2-0 or 3-0 if everything clicks. We saw it last year against, against Barcelona in Barcelona, against Bayern Munich in Munich. It's individual brilliance that can, that can win you matches and can perhaps win you the Champions League. I think that's, very, that's, that's a very optimistic view, Robbie, and it's quite possibly true. But I think, um, I think it's questionable. Up against a, a team that is as well drilled as Manchester City under Pep Guardiola, Paris Saint-Germain have stars in their eyes. They went out and they signed Lionel Messi when, when they, let's be honest, they didn't need him. And OK, it's great. They've got Messi, the, the greatest player in, in, in arguably, arguably of all time and certainly the greatest player of, of his generation. But Lionel Messi is a player who spends most of the game walking and, and Neymar doesn't do an awful lot of tracking back. And as you say, without Angel Di Maria's work rate, uh, I, I, I just, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not convinced about this Paris Saint-Germain project in terms of getting them to their ultimate goal, which is winning the Champions League. I'm slightly conditioned by what I saw against Montpellier, but it's a slightly odd thing to say. But when you've got, even if Messi wasn't playing, when you've got Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria on the field and you go to the Parc des Princes on a Saturday night, you expect to be entertained. I didn't find, the, the, the early stages of the game was impressive from PSG, but then they kind of took the foot off the gas. I didn't find that a very entertaining game, I must say. No, first half by the by the end of the first half, I think it was yeah. Everyone everyone had lost their way a little bit on the pitch. 
You are listening to Robbie Thompson, uh, Australian legend and uh, and journalist Andy Scott, <laughs> uh, Scottish Tyro and uh, defensive midfielder, also part time journalist um, on Le Bourgeois, <laughs> the official League and Uber Eats uh, podcast. Uh, a quick uh, déjà vu for you because uh, Ian Holyman. Um, who I, I listened to while I was in the UK doing a fantastic job um, in the the hot seat here at, at Le Bourgeois. Um, I listened to his Deja Who and I have to say I got it and, and I actually emailed in. Here we go. Uh, last week's was I'm in the top 20 all-time appearance makers in the French top flight playing more than 500 league 1 games. I made top flight appearances for five clubs over an 18-year period winning two league titles, not all at the same club. I began my career in France's capital of gastronomy, but didn't quite cut the mustard there, though I did at the end of my playing days. Can I guess, can yeah, I guess who it was? Because I don't know who it was. What do you mean? I don't know who Have it was. Have you not listened, Andy? No, I, 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 okay. was, I was on the show last week and I was listening. But Go on I, then, show off. Okay, I'm, 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 I am genuinely guessing here because I'm not sure, but I think it is um, Florent Balmont. Yes, well, yeah. well, the cutting the mustard at the end of his I career, help, yeah. yeah. But um, well done. It was Florent Balmont, Adam uh, C got it right, Habib Bar, James Cathy, Davor Tochakov, <laughs> damn, Davor Tokakovic, sorry, Davor, Thomas DeRoy. That's my Aussie and, made, isn't it? I, I think, think so. Is, and yeah. first time participant Matthew Spiro. Ian says, I hope I'm pronouncing that surname right. You did. Well, you wrote it. Um, this week's Deja Who. Uh, here we go. Brace yourselves. Um, it's another tricky one. I checked into French football in 2000 and, after brief stints in Spain and Italy, checked out in 2019. I only played for two Ligue 1 clubs, featuring in a major European final for one, winning the Coupe de France with the other and making over 400 Ligue 1 appearances. I played alongside Olivier Capot, Cédric Carasso, Ludovic Julie and Ludovic Obraniak. Answers by email to league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter. Thank you very much. It's another very good Deja Who from, uh, from Ian Holyman. Um, in terms of the games we haven't yet featured, a good win for Lille 2-1 away to Strasbourg. Jonathan David uh, getting both of those goals. A word about Rouse 3-1 victors over Nantes and uh, uh, their boy, Hugo Eketike, coming on. The 19-year-old getting two more goals. They've got some really good young players um, at rounds this season. Oscar Garcia doing well. 3-1, Angers won. And uh, Bordeaux were playing against Rennes. And I commentated this game. Um, and I would like to um, introduce the commentary. So here we go. Now that's a good ball forward. Traore in the clear. Traore with the pass. And now Rennes have scored. And it is Gaetan Laborde who won't celebrate here. This is where he learned his trade in Bordeaux. It's where he started his career. But uh, Laborde is now happily scoring goals for Rennes. It's his uh, second in the last four days. And it is thoroughly deserved for Rennes. The cross from Kalou. Uh, Huang trying to get the shot away. Mesher! Well, he's done it. Edson Mecher scores against his former club and rather miraculously, Bordeaux have drawn level at the death. Well, Rennes will be absolutely kicking themselves. They've had so many chances to put this game to bed. They haven't done so. And Bordeaux have punished them. Well, it was a pretty 
astonishing end to the game because Wren just really did dominate from the first minute until the last. And uh, the more chances they missed and the more saves Benoit Costil made, the more I was thinking this is going to end with uh, Bordeaux scrambling home uh, an equaliser. And that's what happened on 89 minutes with that deflected shot from uh, from Mesher. But we did say a while back that Wren uh, are an interesting team and uh, they deserve a bit of our attention. And I was I was impressed with them uh, yesterday and it's it's astonishing they didn't win and they're still in the bottom half of the standings but I do think Wren are going to be part of the um of the battle this season for for European places um I really enjoyed the performance of Kamaldine Suleimana on on the left wing he is absolute dynamite the Ghanaian 19 years of age um we had Laborde and, and Terrier through the middle I'm just trying to think who played on the right Bourdieu and mm. you know they play they play good football. Flaviante is a lovely footballer in in in, in the middle of the park. Um, and but you know, as much as I'd be worried for Bordeaux, despite the fact they got a they got a draw, they did virtually nothing in the game. Um, I'd I'd be pretty excited for Ren. Um, Andy, mm. what can Ren what can Ren be be hoping for? They've got ground to make up. But is is it just me <laughs> or do they have a really exciting not just team but even squad? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, they spent 80 million euros in in the summer, which is a lot of money. Um, uh, uh, more than any other team in 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 France, even more than PSG and in terms of actually on transfer fees in the summer. So, you know, they're a club with a very wealthy um backer in Francois Pinot, one of the richest men in France. So, he's putting his um putting his hand deep into his deep pocket and and delivering at the moment for Rennes. They have big ambitions. And I think they can they can you know target a top uh, five place in in Ligue 1 this season, and I think they can look to go far in the Europa Conference League as well because they're they're one of the strongest squads in that competition, and that would be great for them if they could do that because they don't have a great European history. But um, it's 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 been a, a slow start to the season despite all the great players they've got. The last week has seen them accelerate a little bit because they had that six nil win in midweek against uh, Clermont, and then they should have won that game yesterday. But they, but they came up short. And I think the one thing I would say is that, you know, given all the, the really exciting players they've got, I think that patience with Bruno Genesio will wear thin pretty quickly because, because it's been a slow start. And I think that with all the exciting signings they've made, there'll be an expectation for him to deliver uh, sooner rather than later. They play PSG next weekend at home. And I think that could be a really interesting game, actually. Um, but... You know, as I said, it, it it takes time, but I don't think Bruno Genesio will get a lot of time. I think if they're still in mid-table or or lower in another month from now, I think I wouldn't be surprised that Bruno Genesio's job is on the line. Yeah, and one or two question marks, I'd say, at, at the back. And, you know, I, I, I still don't think Alfred Gomez is really uh, good enough in goal uh, to be, you know, playing for a top club in, in France. There were a few misunderstandings between him and uh, Aguerd and uh, Omari. Um, but um, but like I say, a really good footballing side. The the wing backs. It was uh, Triore on the right and Melling on on the left. Well, full backs, not wing backs, but they they both bombed forward. So um, definitely a team to to watch. I mean, Robbie, have you got? They still have Doku oh, as well, who's not uh, in the picture Absolutely. at the moment. To come back, fantastic player. Girassi on the bench. I think he can do a job. Baptiste Santa Maria, who's who's he's a good signed player. on one of those many new signs. He's a good player as well. So and Loic Bede as well another of the the signings so I think perhaps Matt you've you've touched on it there and perhaps they lack a little bit of experience or a leader at the back even though I think Loic Bede could become that player um I like Flaviente I like Gaetan Laborde as well um no they have a they have a they have a good squad of solid underrated players but um 
you know, they should have won last night. That's uh, that's the the big negative to come out of of yesterday's performance. But can I can I just say sorry? Yeah. I just wanted to, to touch on one thing very quickly. Was that let's not forget they sold Eduardo Camavinga on transfer deadline day. But I think despite losing him, and and he is, you know, going to be one of the most exciting players of of the emerging generation. I think despite that, they are a stronger team a stronger squad now than they were last season when he was there so that that should augur well for them no and zonzi well, either i mean there, mm-hmm. there have been changes in that squad as well which do take a little bit of time to to bed in indeed indeed watch this space the only result i haven't mentioned breast one mets two which was actually a massive win for for mets at the bottom it takes them uh, above win. breast mm-hmm. first win for mets um they are now uh, yeah 18th Brest, uh, two points behind them in 19th. And Saint-Étienne bottom, a point behind Brest, just three points for Saint-Étienne. Um, which brings us nicely onto Bon Voyage, because Saint-Étienne may well feature um, in our favourite games coming up next weekend. Let's uh, get our pass sanitaires out. Let's get on a train and uh, take in some French football. So, Bon Voyage, chaps, next weekend's matches. It kicks off on Friday night, Lens against uh, Reims. Saturday, uh, we've got Nice against Brest in the evening. You mentioned uh, Rennes against PSG, lads. That's at uh, one o'clock French time on Sunday. Lille-Marseille is a big one as well. That's at five o'clock in the afternoon Sunday. And then Le Derby, as the French call it, because it is the Derby. Saint-Étienne against Lyon. Robbie, what are you looking at? Yeah, that's going to be a, an interesting one. I can't see Leon slipping up, honestly, even if Claude Puel, I remember his first ever game in charge of Saint-Étienne was the derby and against all the odds, they, they got a win. Perhaps that's something he could do again. But listen, I'm going to go to Lorient because I like uh, what Lorient are doing, particularly at home. And let's shine the spotlight a little bit on a, on a place where not so many people go, perhaps, Le Moustoir. I think they've got a, a nice little home ground where they have a lot of put a lot of pressure on sides, they have good supporters, and they're taking on a Clermont side. I saw Clermont yesterday, who in the end lost handsomely uh, 3-1 to Monaco, which was an interesting match as, as well in many respects, and some some Nico Kovac creating a bit of pulling off Yusuf Fofana midway through the first half. was uh, If that had been Lionel Messi, we'd be, we'd be talking about that. But Clermont, I think they, they were not unlucky perhaps in the greater scheme of things, but they're a nice little side. They're... they're they're courageous, they play good football, they try and dominate possession. They're taking on a Lorient side who are undefeated at home, Lorient who are excellent at home, and I think that could be a really entertaining match of football, so I'll be there. Yeah, fair play. Lorient, who are effectively fourth equal. They're on 13 points level with Nice and, uh, and Angers, and, and they, are, they are a really good, uh, a good side. Uh, Laurent Abergel in, in the midfield gets through a huge amount of work. He's, he's, he's been impressive. Andy? What are you looking at this weekend? Well, uh, I'm, I'm in the 19th arrondissement of Paris, so I'm pretty close to the Gare du Nord. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just pop down there and I'm going to jump on a TGV to Lille because it only takes an hour to get up to Lille. And then I'm going to go and watch the reigning champions play Marseille because I think that'll be a really interesting game. Uh, we've talked about Marseille and, and uh, we haven't really talked about Lille, but they are on the up again. A couple of wins in the last two games. They play in the Champions League this midweek. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on there and then how they get on against Marseille. And can I also say about Jonathan David as well? Uh, he, his, he's got an incredible record. Every game, it still maintains that every game in which he scored in Ligue 1, Lille have won. It happened in 11 games last season. He scored a total of 13 goals in 11 games. They won them all. And this season, Lille's three wins have come in the three games in which he scored. So um, let's see if he can do that again against Marseille. Then they'll win. 
that is interesting, Andy. It's like um, that old Liverpool record with Ian Rush. Every time Rush scored, Liverpool didn't lose. And that went on for years and years and years until Charlie Nicholas got a double at Wembley and Arsenal <laughs> won the League Cup. That was in 1987 um, after Rush had scored. So thank you, fellas, for leaving Saint-Étienne Lyon to me. I'm going to take in the, uh, the atmosphere and perhaps the game of the weekend at the Stade Trofois-Guichard. Pressure on Saint-Étienne, but uh, they, they, they tend to... They tend to perform in the derby. In recent years, they've they've done pretty well in this uh, in this fixture. So I'm I'm going to go there, and um, and I can't wait. And I hope you've enjoyed everybody. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, latest uh, edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. We thank you as ever for your loyalty. Thank you for joining us. Do talk uh, to your friends about us as well. And um, yeah, we look forward to. Um, coming uh, back next week with another with another edition thank you Robbie Thompson and Andy Scott uh, from uh, myself Matt Spiro it's au revoir et bientôt bye 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 bye